Hi, this is Dr. Tom Murtaugh of the Christ Hospital in Cincinnati, Ohio, on behalf of the International Cardio-Oncology Society. Today we are presenting highlights of a recent webinar discussing cardiotoxicity related to radiation therapy. The portion of the webinar that we will hear was presented by Dr. Joshua Mitchell. Dr. Mitchell is an Associate Professor of Medicine at the Washington University School of Medicine where he is director of both the Cardio-Oncology Center of Excellence and the Cardio-Oncology Fellowship, along with serving as co-director of the Amyloid Center of Excellence. Don't forget to check out the ICOS website at ic-os.org for all things related to cardio-oncology. In particular, there is information regarding the upcoming GCO Summit in Madrid, Spain, Along with in-person attendance, there is now a virtual option to check out. So without further delay, here is Dr. Mitchell. Thank you so much. It's uh, really a pleasure to be here and, and to be able to talk about this topic with Dr. Tesk. And uh, I'll lead off our presentations today. Um, we're going to split the talks in the, in the two main sessions. The first, we'll be going over background incidents of cardiotoxicity go over the ICO screening recommendations, and then dive a little bit deeper into risk stratification for, for patients' cardiovascular risk. And then the second part of the session, we're going to highlight a couple of cases of radiation toxicity that really highlights important points of taking care of these radiation survivors and some of the intricate points in management. So to start off with, um, radiation uh, certainly super helpful in treating the cancer, but it can cause damage to the surrounding structures. From a cardiovascular standpoint, wherever the radiation is, um, it targets the body, you can have effect on the cardiovasculature. You can have direct DNA damage, reactive oxygen species formation. The endothelium is felt to be specifically sensitive to radiation toxicity, and this can lead to coronary artery disease, can lead to uh, myocardial fibrosis as well. Uh, we see a much higher incidence of HEF-PEF after radiation. But the spectrum of cardiotoxicity really runs the gamut, including valvular disease, pericardial disease. You can have arrhythmias and heart failure. Here we have a few different studies that have looked at the incidence of radiation toxicity over time. On the left, you have a study of childhood survivors of cancer therapy from St. Jude's um, and really highlights that even as a kid with no real cardiovascular risk factors, your incidence and prevalence of coronary artery disease, viral disease, arrhythmia, and heart failure significantly increase over time and much higher than uh, siblings without prior exposure. Radiation therapy highlighted in blue gives you the highest uh, incidence of CAD, valve disease, arrhythmia. In the bottom left-hand corner, you see that Radiation, when combined with anthracyclines, gives you the highest risk for heart failure. And you see this continue to increase over time. Now, when we're looking at radiation-induced heart disease, you really have to consider a few different things that causes variability across studies. Number one are the patients that you're looking at. What are their age and 
on the left-hand side of your screen, these are young, healthy kids, for the most part, who are getting exposed to radiation. And you see their toxicity over time, but much of it is prolonged by decades even. But if you do a, a study on more adults, such as on the right-hand side, where we have non-small cell lung cancer, you see a higher incidence of cardiac events soon after radiation. You also, on the right-hand side of the screen, these are lung cancer patients, and often they have a higher dose of radiation therapy. But you'll see this significant increase in cardiac events just one year afterwards. This large variation across studies and exposures presents some difficulty in giving fine-tuned screening guidelines across all these populations. And so the ICO screening guidelines didn't go into specific specifics because they really aren't there. But it's important to recognize the gamut of risk and cardiovascular toxicity that we see across these patients. In the middle here, we have uh, lymphoma patients, Hodgkin lymphoma. These patients included younger patients um, up to the age of 50. And you see the increase in disease with higher doses of radiation, as well as the combination of anthracycline. This particular study only started looking at incidence of heart failure after five years um, from treatment, which is why the graph doesn't start going up until a five-year time point. So for the ICOS um, guidelines, um, the recommendations, I should say, that came out in 2021, the group really tried to focus on the fact that radiation can affect the vasculature in any area of exposure, including head and neck radiation, thoracic radiation, and abdominal and pelvic radiation. Today, we're focusing on thoracic radiation cardiotoxicity. And as we discussed, we see coronary artery disease, fibro disease, pericardial disease, and heart failure. In that same issue of Jack Cardio Oncology, a state-of-the-art review also looked at exposure of different cardiac substructures, which is increasingly recognized as an important point as we're changing our radiation modalities and trying to reduce the overall mean heart dose. We can still have substantial radiation exposure to certain portions of the heart. And the studies on the bottom right hand highlighted the different cardiotoxicities that you may see with exposure to particular substructures of the heart. Certainly, radiation oncologists continue to work to reduce the risk of radiation to the heart. Uh, many of these um, advances have happened in the realm of breast cancer. I won't go into detail due to time with the different modalities that are used, but you can see with the radiation planning CTs that we're able to often reduce exposure to the heart. And, you know, essentially, on a, on a basic scale, if the heart is not colored, it's not receiving su substantial radiation. But even with modern technologies, such on the right, and here we have two different um, up-to-date current state-of-the-art technologies, you're still seeing portions of the heart being exposed. So while the mean heart dose may be low, parts of the heart may still um, receive significant radiation exposure. Therefore, we're still seeing events even after some of these more modern modality radiation treatments, including proximal coronary stenosis and other effects, depending on what part of the heart is involved. It's also important to realize not only do we still see events, but not all centers have these same capabilities. And so you can't just assume that the radiation dose is lower. In, in addition, if the patient has lung cancer or esophageal heart is much less than that for breast cancer. And then you'll still see survivors of previous errors in the case that I'll present later, received as radiation um, 30 years ago and uh, had a much different exposure of the heart um, than someone who would get it today. So for our screening recommendations, focusing on the thoracic region, which is the topic of our talk today, 
One of the most important things is to do that comprehensive cardiovascular history and physical exam at baseline. The, you know, other than what the radiation oncologist can do, the main thing that we can intervene with as clinicians is the cardiovascular risk, such as hypertension, diabetes, hyperlipidemia. And Dr. Tess will go into this in a little bit more detail um, following. But I just wanted to highlight that hypertension alone, if it develops after radiation and cohort of childhood survivors, increase the risk of heart failure by 19-fold and the risk of coronary disease by six-fold. So targeting the blood pressure that we see at baseline and through treatment and after is important to make sure that we're controlling these risk factors. Additionally, as Dr. Tess will go into more detail afterwards, highlighting coronary artery calcium that can be found on a, a screening or staging CT is very important. In the upper right, we see um, coronary artery calcium that was found on a staging CT for a patient with cancer. And this is ready information available to us. And this particular patient with the amount of calcium he had ended up requiring a bypass surgery just one year later. Um, this unfortunate gentleman, the coronary calcium on the CT scan was not noticed. Um, but looking back, it was there and his risk factors could have been better optimized. Over time, we recommend continuing to do this cardiovascular history and physical every year. And you can look for specific sequelae of radiation therapy, such as SVC syndrome or other um, extra cardiac manifestations of vascular disease. And similar to the ASCO guidelines, recommend considering an echo at six to 12 months in higher risk patients, especially those with anthracyclines or higher doses of radiation to the, um, the heart. Every five years, um, continuing to consider that echocardiogram and uh, ischemic evaluation. But for the ICO statements, we took a different focus on the ischemic evaluation because really we wanted to focus the evaluation on prevention. Can we find that non-obstructive coronary artery disease earlier and start statin treatment rather than waiting for obstructive disease? That was certainly an excellent presentation and one I'm sure you enjoyed. We are grateful to Dr. Mitchell for providing his expertise. Check out the ICOS website where you can find more content like this. If you're not a member, you can join there as well. By joining, you become part of the global community working to help cancer patients. Our music is provided by Eli Brandt of Oberlin College. Until next time, this is Dr. Tom Murtaugh. Treat cancer, protect hearts. Thank you.